It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends Kristen Balboni, Miles Simmons, and Will Bryan. That's right. It's that time of the week. It is time for the Happy Half Hour podcast. Kristen here with my good buddies, Miles and Will. Uh, guys, how you doing this week? Oh, you know, this and that, here and there, doing okay. <laughs> you know. Is that your coach speak? Is that your coach speak? Miles? I, I think I have better coach speak. My coach speak, I think, is too... Uh, it's very influenced by either Sean McVay or John Gruden, because those are the coaches that I've covered the most time. So I, I guess like if I were to like imitate Sean McVay, I would probably say that you know I have a great respect and appreciation for the way the week has gone so far, and you know I'm just really looking forward to getting out there and getting back on the grass, and so we can do whatever we need to do. I like that. John uh, getting back on the grass. Like, oh yeah, it's all about the grass. And John Gruden might be more like, I'll tell you what, man. You know what? <laughs> it's good to be here on the Happy Half Hour podcast. Those I like two that. invitations that I should never do again. Oh, I love them. They're Hall of Fame imitations. All right. Thank Will, you. give me how you're doing this week in your best coach speak voice. Kristen, I'm sorry. I, I can't answer that question right now. I, I'm talking to RV, our trainer, right as soon as I get out of this press conference. So um, no no news to report until I talk to him. <laughs> uh, I, I never talked to him before I talked to you guys. So I'm just gonna, we're just going to have to move on. Sorry. Uh, I'll find out how everyone's doing after I talk to you guys. You don't know anything about how you're doing. I gotcha. I gotcha. I to, I you don't no know. No clue. No clue. I haven't talked to RV yet. You guys know I don't, I'm not going to answer that. That is phenomenal. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we're going to have to have some more fun with that in, in coming episodes because I feel like those are just we're just touching the tip of the iceberg with the both of you and your coach speak. Um well, I, I'm glad to hear that uh, that you guys are doing well. At least I think Will is doing well. Um, I know one guy who is definitely doing well this week, and that is our good buddy Christian McCaffrey, who was selected to the Madden 99 Club for a second straight season. Now, for those of you who don't play Madden, or you know maybe I don't know living under a rock that is the highest overall grade a player can have in the game and uh, if anyone deserves it it is certainly him so are, are you guys Madden guys Will are you a, a Madden guy um back in the day I haven't played it in a hot minute I was more of an NCAA football guy nice I, I love that game I actually wrote a full semester long thesis on NCAA football in sophomore year at college what? All right, we're going to need to see that at some point. Yeah, so the 30-second version of this, I took a class called Emerging Digital Narratives, which is a fancy Davidson way of trying to say we're going to play video games and just make it a college course. So my final uh, like project, I chose that game because I, I tried to show how it was the first iteration of the game that did like the high school to the college I can't remember the name of it, but you know, like the you, you start off in a high school all-star game and then you get your attributes and then that determines where you get recruited and then you have to like decide whether you want to go to class or work out and all these things. So it was like the first version of trying to create an actual personal narrative versus playing in a corporate sense as hmm. a non-member person of the team where you could only play the wide receiver. So you can only control the wide receiver. You couldn't control the play call or the running back or the quarterback. So those were like uh, kind of my way of showing that like football was trying to create this personal avatar that you had a different understanding of rather than a corporate nature of the team. 
that's awesome. I and I'm sure that you got to um, you know play as much as you could just for research purposes too. Oh, co completely. The the worst though was when I actually like failed the project because I couldn't get through the whatever level of Grand Theft Auto 3 because I couldn't like hijack the car quick enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I wasn't very good at video games. So that was kind of ironic. I just can't believe that you didn't, you, you, you failed part of a project in that course. That's amazing. And I just want to point out really quickly, our awesome producer, Matt, is letting us know that the uh, NCAA game mode is called Road to Glory. And he says it, it is the best. Yeah, Road to Glory. You know what? I, I was never too big of a Road to Glory person because I just liked um, doing the sort of big cat thing. And, you know, you go to a program and then you win a couple championships and then now you... <laughs> go off to wherever else you want to go but to answer the original question like i love i used to love madden more than i do today because i always felt like madden was easier when i was a kid growing up and i was one of those people that was big into franchise mode so i think in madden 08 like i took one of the, a franchise i think it was the dolphins because i don't think the dolphins were very good in 07 in, in that game and so I took them, I've simulated the first season, they were really bad, and so then I relocated them to Manhattan and called them the Manhattan Kings. And <laughs> it like made them the this random third New York team, but like a New York team that was actually in New York with apologies to Buffalo. Uh, but yeah, and then I was, I'm pretty sure deep into the 2020s in that game, which like, you know, Madden, oh wow. that's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, that was probably the height of my being an avid Madden player, but I've gotten more into it like since I got a PS4, and you know, I don't play against people. I just kind of do my own thing there because it's kind of fun. But I actually I like the um, I guess what the equivalent of Road to Glory, whatever that is in Madden. Uh, Matt, can you give us whatever that is too? Uh, it's like the QB1 franchise mode. I don't know. That was fun in the last game because you actually got to you have to sort of play as a college player as a college quarterback and that also gave you like a, a little sample of what an ncaa game would be like in you know the years 2019 and 2020 so i missed that game too in conclusion i like it i like it you could write your own research paper about that i mean about your <laughs> the fact that you relocated the dolphins to new york yeah. uh matt says he believe it used to it, it used to to be called he believes it used to be called superstar is that ring a bell miles okay the version you it were does. talking about I, I believe so okay yes. um okay so one thing i want to do i am not great at video games I, I don't know if i don't have the thumb dexterity for it or what but uh you know i i enjoy i enjoy watching them i enjoy keeping up with everything but never been great at them no surprise but I always love when you see the ratings come out because it makes you think like, what is the one? So CMC rating of 99 uh, can't get any better than that. What is the one random thing that you're like, I would get a 99 in and just, you know, not the boring stuff. Like what's something that's just so random that you're like, I'm awesome at this. Miles, do you have anything that you would feel like you would get a 99 rating in? <laughs> this is very random. Going through the security line at the airport. I'm really? really good at that. Nice. I see. I feel like I'm pretty good too. So let me hear it. Let me hear your uh, your pitch for why you'd get the 99. Well, first of all, I always know when to have my ID out and when to put it back. But also, not only that, but like you have to understand like where the phone is supposed to go 
and how much brightness you should have on your phone if you're using your phone as your boarding pass, which I do because I lose a piece of paper and I will never lose my phone because that thing is connected to my body like it's an extra appendage. So if you have your brightness up, that makes it easier to for the little thing to scan. So you put it down, then you pick it back up. And then right now, if you're going on an airplane, you have to take your mask down and then you put that back up as you hand the person the ID, then you take it. And so then the key is, especially if you have TSA pre-check, which maybe everybody shouldn't get it but you should get it but i also don't want you in the line but i guess we're not That's all traveling true. right now anyway but i'll tell you what it's the best 85 dollars i've ever spent in my life so you get into the line and you don't have to take off your shoes you don't have to take out your laptop but somehow people still mess this up sometimes when they're in the tsa line but all you have to do is when you start getting close you put your phone your keys and your wallet into your bag and then you put that thing up on the little conveyor belt, you put your suitcase up, boom, you walk right through. It, it makes it so much easier. And you also have to know which things you can and cannot wear, right? Because there's a certain belt that I have that will always go off, but I know now that I can't wear that belt. So gotta keep that belt in the bag. I'm really I'm, good at it. I'm I'm with you. I. I don't want to steal yours. I think I'd be up there. Maybe not a 99, but you're right. There, there are those little things. You got to pick the right line too, because you don't want to get behind the people that that don't know that you you uh, can leave your shoes on. I've gotten really good at when I lived in Chicago and I was flying two or three times a week. Sometimes in the TSA line, you might have to take off a heavy jacket. So I got really good at like while I was putting the stuff back in the pockets and going towards the line, kind of making eye contact with a TSA officer and being like, can I leave this jacket on? And he'd be like, mm, yeah, you can leave it on, you know, cause sometimes you got the heavy jackets in the cold weather. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you the 99 in that. All right, Will, what is the one random thing you would make, uh, you would have the 99 rating for? So <laughs> much to the, the chagrin of my girlfriend, I can pretty much crack every knuckle or joint in my body. <laughs> That is including, impressive. Including my nose. I can crack my nose. What? Yeah. I feel like that's not good. It probably isn't. <laughs> what is but the yeah, one I, that just I gets really... her? Is it just, do you do the full it's... body crack and she's like, oh my God, stop. Yeah, it's the, it's the wake up and then it's the hip, the knees, ankles. And then when you go with the elbows and then the fingers. Oh like all kind of in a like kind of, yeah <laughs> yeah it's just like you're gonna die and i'm like no I've, re I've read i've read articles about this this doesn't actually cause our arthritis maybe i don't know well from what i know about cracking knuckles and stuff it's just really it's releasing gas so in some mm -hmm. ways it's maybe good that you're doing that because it relieves the pressure on your weird joints. way to say that <laughs> Well, it's true. We'll can we release the gas. But yes, oh, yeah. you're right on a technical term. All right, you get the 99 in that. Love it. Um, okay, mine is. I feel like I get a, a 99 in identifying random celebrities' voiceovers in commercials. Like Ooh. I, I feel really good about that, and I've always, it's always been a thing that I'm like, oh yeah, that's the dad from Modern Family doing that Zyrtec commercial. I don't even know his name, you know. Um, that's Lena Waite doing that AT&T, I think. Uh, there was a weird Holly Hunter did, I think, like a pepperoni commercial 10 years back. I still think about that sometimes. <laughs> I just, I don't know what it is. And I'm not even super familiar with all of the 
actors or know a lot of stuff that they're in, but man, I can just, if I hear their voice once, I'm like, oh, I know who that is. And if I can't figure it out, it just, it gets to me. So, uh, talent that no one ever asked for, but I do, I would give myself a 99 on that one. Interesting. I don't think it's that interesting, but thank you for saying that. <laughs> I, no, I do because they're, they're like car commercials. I'm big into cars. So there are car commercials where it's like, Hmm, that sounds like Will Arnett or Hmm, that sounds like uh Well, Will Cooper. Arnett is a, a big voiceover guy, but you know, Brian yes. Cranston just did the new Ford Bronco. Anyway. All right. I'm going to stop talking about this. <laughs> I could go on. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever need to know who is doing that, I don't know. Reese's commercial. I gotcha. It's Will Arnett. Um, all right, so, I mean, look, who can say who's more talented, us or Christian McCaffrey, after us talking through all those things? I really don't know. I really don't know. I think we're right up there. Um, so that is that is some news that we got this week. And, again, congratulations uh, to him on that. So well-deserved. Um, but aside from that, guys, not a lot of news as it pertains to what's going to happen in the future with the NFL. Not a lot of solid news. And full disclosure, we waited on recording this podcast um, until Thursday in the hopes that we would, you know, know a little bit more about training camp and, and be able to talk through all of it. Uh, but short answer is right now we still don't know a lot. You know, we're operating as if everything's going to go on schedule. But, you know, Miles, I know you've been keeping up with with all of the reports and things like that between the NFL and NFLPA negotiations. So what are you kind of seeing in terms of where we are right now? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that's come out um, in the last day or two is from Tom Palosaro of NFL Network, who basically said the NFL's latest proposal to the PA still included two preseason games, and the union doesn't want any preseason games. And so the union is trying to get frequent testing, injury protection for players, um, and, and things like that. So it's it's a matter of still not having answers. Um, and so Pelsar also reported that there's a call scheduled for Friday between the NFL, the league, and, and the NFLPA. And the issue with that really is that, look, there are two teams in the Chiefs and the Texans who, at least as of right now, can have rookies reporting to training camp on Saturday. And the rest of the league has their rookies able to report on Tuesday as of right now. So I think either things are going to get pushed back for rookies um, coming out of this call on Friday, and we will have some sort of uh, finalized report date, or maybe we'll still just be in limbo. But I, I think, you know, as I was talking to Tiger Whitehead last week and I talked to Russell Kuhn this week, you're, the, the NFL is just, it's not necessarily running out of time, but it's starting to get to a place where you need to have a little bit more urgency. And I think that there is urgency, but there you want to get something settled so that everybody can start to really plan their lives and figure out, okay, this is where we need to be. And also, so GMs can say, if we are going to have to reduce our rosters to 75 players or 80 players as was rumored, then how are they going to be able to do that? Like, who do they need to cut? They need to inform these players of those types of things. Um, so coaches need to be able to say, all right, here's what our practice schedule is definitively going to be. It, whether it's strength and conditioning, and you ramp up for a week or two, and then you start getting into real practice or not. It, you just don't have any certainty. And it's just really hard, I think, for everybody to deal with. And I'm sure it's hard equally to come up with a plan that is definitive because of the way things keep changing throughout the pandemic. So it's, it's a tough situation for everybody. And I guess 
You know, you just got to try to figure out what a proposal that works for both sides and then go from there. And if you have to adjust, you do. Yeah, I agree. I think with rookies reporting within the next few days, we're going to have to hear something soon. Don't you agree, Miles? Like, it feels like tomorrow, whether it gets shared with the media or not, it feels like there have has to be some answers, right? Yeah, I, I think that there definitely have to be answers, especially because of that you know rookie reporting date that is so quickly approaching, not only for the, the Chiefs and the Texans, who like, they have their reporting date earlier because they're supposed to start uh, the season a couple of days earlier than everybody else on that Thursday night on that Thursday night date, and that's why they have their first date, and then everybody else is on Saturday. Um, but, excuse me, everybody else is the following Tuesday. But I, that, yes, it, it, to answer your question, yes, it, you have to start getting some sort of answers soon because of those types of things, because these dates are coming up fast and furious. And not only, you know, not next Tuesday being that report date for everybody, but then the following Tuesday is supposed to be the opening day of training camp for everybody yeah. else. So again like it you have to be able to i guess get the wheel turning on whatever is going to uh, be the end result here absolutely and of course you know as we've talked about a lot on this podcast and you've talked with players about you know number one priority is safety but i think you've made such a good point that we know what the nfl pa is fighting for and what the nfl is fighting for and they're all really important points that need to get worked out but then at a certain point you're sure players just and coaches and 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 like you said, GMs just want to know what's what's going to happen. How are we going to approach this? So, you know, I think by the time we talk next week, we will uh, have a lot to to talk about. Hopefully, um, in terms of kind of the direction of training camp and and maybe the season. You know, but one thing uh, that we do know is that the the 2020 season will not be operating. Uh, stadium-wise at full capacity for fans. Um, and Will, I know you've been involved with the Panthers' efforts um, to inform PSL owners and, and fans about what's going to happen with a reduced capacity. So can you kind of fill us in on, on where we are on that? Yeah, so I think one term that everyone's going to get a little more used to because you're going to be hearing it a lot is this term like opt-in and opt-out. Um, and I know that that was something, you know, back to the players that it was being discussed with the NFLPA. I'm not sure... Uh, where that is kind of in those negotiations, but the idea that, you know, maybe a player on a certain type of contract that might have, you know, uh, a family or, you know, have, have reasons for, you know, not wanting to go put themselves in harm's way. And, you know, that's kind of part of what was, what went out this morning to all PSL holders was this opportunity to opt in to say, yes, I'd like to still come to as many games as possible. I'd like to use tickets or just say, nope, I'm good. I want to keep my PSLs for 2021, uh, either get a refund or a credit, but I'm, I'm good to stay home this year. Um, so that was what went out this morning, essentially the idea that if there are home games in this stadium, you're not going to have more than 20 to 30,000 people in it. Um, and what went out this morning was the, the ticket office essentially asking people to find out where they are. Um, I think that's the, the big first challenge for them is to, in order to kind of figure out how you have groups of two or three or four socially distant from each other in the seats, in the bowl, in different places. You have to know how many people are actually going to try to come to games. Um, and of course, they prioritize the, the season ticket holders um, to try to figure out how many people want to come, how many people are saying, I'm good. And then once they know where those people are, you know, then the next steps of these things start happening. They have to figure out where where they're going to sit. 
they have to start showing the protocols they have. And you know, one of the things we're working on is if your seats are assigned in section 103 for whatever, there's going to be times to come to the gate in order to make sure that not all everyone coming to the game aren't all crushing in at 1245. Um, yeah. You know, we need we need space and time. So you might be in a section that comes in between 1130 and 12 um, or 12 to 1230 or, or something like that. And then there's going to be uh, areas for for which gate you're supposed to go in, for which concession stand to go to, to just to make sure that people aren't all congregating in the same place. So it's going to be a very different experience um, even for those that are coming to the game, you know, we're going to try to make everything through the Panthers app, uh, touchless uh, payments, ticketing, concessions, all, all that kind of stuff. So it, it's going to be very different, um, even for those that, that do end up coming to games. Well, that is such a huge undertaking that that you and a lot of our coworkers are, are working on. Like you said, just uh, concessions through the app, uh, ticket, you know, everything has to be changed and figuring out the logistics of the timing of when everyone's going to come in and where everyone can sit. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a, a great undertaking and I know it's got to be stressful for for a, a lot of people we work with. And of course, for the fans, it's going to be different. But, you know, the hope is that we can have football games where where people can, can come and watch and feel safe and enjoy themselves. And that's, you know, the end goal. So, um, I'm excited to see all of the innovations, although, of course, we wish it could be a regular football season. Um, as you said, everything's going to be different. Um, so I think it's great that that we're working on all of these things in order to try to make it the best and safest experience that, that it can be for the for the fans that can go. Um, so, you know, overall, the, the general theme of this week, right, is there's so many unknowns still. So I, I kind of thought, though, as we hope to turn the page to training camp, very soon, I kind of thought it would be fun to go over a couple of things that that we do know and that we have learned about this team over the past few months um, in in terms of our talks with with the staff and and players. What are I, I would love to get just one thing from both of you, and I'll share mine as well. Miles, let's start with you. What is one thing that you have learned? about this team in the past few months that's either been enlightening or that's made you excited for the season ahead? Yeah, I think if I had to point to one thing, it would be the team's real belief in Matt Rule and the direction that he's pointing this team in. And I think that's kind of easy to say for coaches who have been with him, you know, and there are a lot of those coaches who have gone with him from Temple to then uh, Baylor and now to Carolina. Um, with the Panthers, but all, I, I think even when you talk to players, it's interesting to hear their perspective on it too, because look, a lot of these guys have only met with Matt Rule virtually through a screen. And the, the, the projection of belief that Matt Rule put into the players when all the protests started happening and he said, you know, I want you guys to use your voice. I think that went a long way for these players. And that certainly is also set by the top of the organization um, with team owner David Tepper as well. But I, I think when you get it from Matt Rule and when you also have these guys talking about how they really feel like he's setting them up well um, to play during the season, so it's not just on the field, it's off the field. I think that that's really impressive. And, you know, look, there are going to be a lot of challenges for this coaching staff because they have not really met these players and they didn't get to see them on the field before. But I think when you have that kind of steady leadership at the top, 
that's going to be able to help you smooth things over as much as possible um, when things go on. Uh, Miles, I completely agree with you. And it's funny because I know exactly what you mean about when you say it could sound a little cliche that, that that is the thing that you've learned, but I feel exactly the same way because it's something you and I have been very fortunate to get a, a lot of time with this coaching staff and a, a lot of time with some of these players over the course of um, these last few months, albeit virtually. And I, I get what you're saying. It could be a cliche to say, oh yeah, there's a lot of uh, belief in the leadership at the top and in Matt Rule's vision. But when you hear it day in and day out from so many different people and you hear kind of how genuine they are when they say it, I, I, I completely agree with you. It goes kind of past that, um, that that cliche yeah we're all you know we're all behind i mean it really does feel like that very genuinely um every time you talk to to someone that's had a lot of interactions with with coach rule um so i i completely agree with you and get 100 what you're saying um i i want to build on that a little bit for the one thing that i've learned um about this team and miles it's really been in listening to your conversations with some of this coaching staff they they have a lot of belief in Teddy Bridgewater. And I mean, I've heard Matt Rule say mm -hmm. so many times, he's the perfect guy for us. He's the perfect guy for us. And then hearing, um, you know, he said that to me in our, my first interview with him. And then he was just saying it, you know, to, to you, Miles, in the, in the media a couple of weeks ago. And... I, you know, and then Joe Brady saying that he's running meetings f for him. Um, and of course their relationship together, I, we've heard so many great things from Joe Brady and Matt rule about Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, I think it kind of goes in the same vein of what you were saying, miles. It's like, you can hear somebody say something once and you go, okay, all right, got it. But when you hear it over and over again, and you kind of hear the inflection in the voice and, and the excitement that's behind it, I think it goes a, a long way, um, in feeling, you know, just how genuine that is, if that makes sense. I, I really totally. get the impression that they are that they are are so happy with Bridgewater and so excited to see you know uh, what he can do once training camp starts and uh, getting him into you know uh, into this Panthers offense and having him utilize those weapons. And I mean, you've heard him say, I think Miles, it's, you asked him the question, uh, rule the question of you know what do you want him to do? And he's like, I don't want to see him throw the ball down the field, like use all these weapons that we have. So I'm, I'm excited about how excited they are about that. Um, uh, Will, you're the vet, of course, where, where Miles, Miles and I are the newbies, but uh, what's one thing you've learned this off season? Well, I think the, the NFL world is in terms of coaching, in terms of play calling, in terms of schemes, you know, it can be a, a, a large ship that turns slowly sometimes. And I think that, you know, it's called the copycat league and for good reason. And I, I think it's going to be really fun to watch not only Joe Brady, but Phil Snow and the way that these guys are going to come in with some pretty fresh, different ideas and different looks. And, you know, they're, they're not trying to conform to this is what the NFL does. They know how to win football games. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, obviously everyone's talking about the offense, how explosive they can be. You know, Bill Barnwell ranked them fifth in terms of offensive weapons on his ESPN uh, article this week. I, I'm, I'm curious to watch this defense, uh, you know, it, moving back to, you know, more of a 4-3 front, potentially having, you know, a, kind of a, a three safety look, uh, running safeties up into the box. You know, you have Jeremy Chin, um, you know, new, new fresh, uh, you know, person at, at middle linebacker in, in Tiger Whitehead. I, I think there's a lot of interesting dynamics in play on this defensive side. Um, and I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing that energy and, and seeing them just let loose. 
I completely agree. I, I think the three safety thing, seeing if, if that translates into the NFL, knowing that he did that at Baylor, I'm really interested to see, A, if we're going to get a lot of that, you know, personnel formation and B, and B how it's going to work. I'm excited about it, especially with, with Jeremy Chin, like you said. I mean, I can't wait to see him out on the field. Yeah, Jeremy Chin should be really fun to watch. And I think when you think uh, when you think about him and just guys who are safeties and people in the league who have shown to be that kind of versatile, and I don't want to make a you know crass compare a comparison that's like gonna set him up to fail, but people of that nature come to mind are like Jamal Adams, right? Like somebody who is basically your rover all around the defense, someone that can blitz, somebody that can go back into coverage. That I think is the kind of ceiling that you'd at least like to think that Jeremy Chin has. And if he can start to show sort of that potential, that's going to be huge for the Panthers defense, not just this year, but going forward. I agree. And, and going off of Will's point a little bit further, you know, Phil Snow has said in the past, like you, you adjust your defense to the players you have, and you can see the kind of players like a Jeremy Chin that, that they want to, to bring on board and develop. So I'm, I'm excited to see what this defense is, is going to look like um, this season. All right. It is time for our weird question of the week. And this one is not, I want to say this, we've all tried our hand at the weird questions. We've had a lot of fun with them. This one's not really a weird question. It's a really good question from, from one of our listeners. Patrick Vogel sent us this on Twitter. He was talking about, I had done a, a segment with Jake DeLome uh, that got released this past week or last week um, at, called Inside Scoop and he had ripped his pants we were like, look, we can talk to Jake about anything. All of these great plays. Well, I know you're you're a huge fan of him, as am I. But we're going to talk about the time that you ripped your pants on national TV. And he's <laughs> such a good sport about it. We had so much fun. He still has the pants with the giant rip in the butt. Um, it's on our, it's on the Panthers Twitter. It's on Panthers.com if you want to check it out. But Patrick was talking about it, uh, the segment, and he said, you know, I still remember when Jake ripped his pants. And he wanted to know from all of us what is the most embarrassing moment that we've had at work so will i'm gonna start with you so this was several jobs ago because i didn't want to bring up the most embarrassing things i've done with the panthers because that's just not as fun but this was back maybe 2011 when i was working at college of charleston um running their website running some of their content uh and I'm posting a story late at night on a, maybe a Thursday after a volleyball match, maybe a Friday. And I refresh college or cfcsports.com, like our, our uh, website, and it's gone. All of the normal things, it, it's just, there's nothing there. It's just a, one of those pages that just has ads. And oh my all, God. Of the ads are, all of the ads are like porn ads. Just like, Whoa. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow the domain that we had purchased had expired and the guy that had purchased it had long since moved on to like two other jobs, 10 years prior. Nobody knew the password that he had set up. No one, no one had any idea what to do. Oh my gosh. What, what, I mean, how long did it take to get it fixed? It, a couple hours. Yep. Those are hours. And, and, those are oh, hours no. that will age you by ten years. <laughs> I oh, mean, just and, and I'm like, I'm half thinking in my own head as we're trying to find the password to log back in to repurchase the domain so that we could reassign it to like our web uh, content company. 
I'm thinking like I could personally just create a new account and buy this thing and then make College of Charleston have to then buy it back off of me. But, you know, I, I didn't do it. And thankfully, <laughs> no one else did either. We didn't have to buy it from anyone in those two hours. But, yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. So what what was the cause of that? What happened? So you – I guess the, the guy that had had the job long before I had come there – he had bought the domain and then, you know, the domain gets assigned to your, your backend web company who then put the actual stuff onto it, you know, the content, right. but the domain itself is different. And he had it in his own files. Like it wasn't something that he had, when he left that he had thought to transfer to like the department's IT department. I mean, we didn't really have one or anybody else. So he, we were trying to get in touch with him. He couldn't remember the password that he had set up. It was, <laughs> you know, it was just, it's just one of those things where you like, I've always been very vigilant now about knowing who owns the, you know, the domain that we currently use like panthers.com. Like, can you imagine if that just disappeared and anyone could buy it for two hours? No, I can't. Neither can I. That would That's be really, really insane. Bad. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I, I don't know if we're going to be able to beat that miles. Uh, maybe we should have made will go last. Cause that's we definitely should have. That's tough. But, uh, all right, miles, what's yours most embarrassing moment at work? Um, you know, I, I'm trying to really think, Oh, okay. I got it. Um, I hope, I hope I have not told the story on the podcast before. Sometimes I forget where and when I tell the We've story. only had like five episodes. So if you I have, know, but I think I might have. <laughs> okay. So, I I just started my job with the Rams back in 2014, and one of my assignments was to uh, interview Jeff Fisher every week. So, I the first time I did it, I I was 22, and I basically never interviewed a head coach in my life, and I was really nervous, so I couldn't start the interview. It was it was really bad. But about I don't know five six weeks into the season. Uh, Jeff Fisher decided he wanted to mess with me. So he, I guess, told everybody else, hey, I'm going to mess with Miles during the interview. So don't worry about it. I'm not going to be serious. So he doesn't tell me this, obviously. So I'm sitting down, and then I think the Rams had lost. So I asked him some question, some benign question that had been approved by our public relations staff before before we had even you know, started sitting down. And Fisher just goes off on me. He's like, well, we lost. So what kind of bleep do you think it is? Oh, man. And I was like, <gasps> and I pro I wish that somewhere I could find the footage of this because it looks probably like I'm about to like poo my pants. Like, because I was scared. <laughs> and so then he looks at me for like three seconds and then everybody starts laughing. So, yeah, I would say that that is probably my most embarrassing moment at work because I was just very a scared little 23-year-old at the time. Yeah, let's see if we can find that footage. I That's a good one, too. <laughs> that's a good one, too. Mine is – I think Will is going to win this one, but uh, mine, is, mine is also embarrassing because it was caught on camera. I was trying to think back. Um, I'm, I'm sure I've had – plenty of other embarrassing moments that I've maybe blocked out that have been recorded. But uh, the one that comes to mind for me <laughs> is but I, I worked on Mike and Mike uh, at ESPN for three and a half years. And um, I was their, their researcher and we sat in the studio. And so they would always, you know, it's a four hour show. They would, they would have us on the staff quite a lot. And, you know, there are times where you'd start a bit or, you know, we'd have fun and joke around. And for whatever reason, 
one day there was some bet that I think it was maybe Mike and Mike versus the staff. I can't remember, but the the if you lost the bet, it was that you would have to do push-ups. And I think it was push-ups like 20 or so every, I don't know if it was every hour, or every time we went to commercial. I mean, it was a lot. It was a, a significant amount of push-ups, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And the, the studio floor is pretty... The wet and shiny, I don't know, it had a, it's like pretty shiny, it's pretty slippery. It's not like if you were going to do push-ups on a floor, it wouldn't be the ideal floor for it. Um, it kind of it kind of has like that basketball court feel. And you know, and you're in your work clothes and stuff. So it's like not starting out great anyway. But I'm like, okay, like the camera, you know, they bring the, the camera over, the camera guy's wearing the equipment. Like they're really filming, they're really zooming in on you doing these push-ups, you and these other uh, staff members. I'm like, all right, so I got to, I'm not great at push-ups in the first place. But like, I'm going to, I'm going to get through these. Like just whatever, 10 or 20, and then we'll go to break and then we'll have to come back and do them I swear I got to like five and I just like but I just like I think I fell on my face like I did my hand slipped <laughs> I couldn't do anymore I was like I can just power through these like you know adrenaline or whatever I don't want to embarrass myself I think they were the worst push-ups anyone has ever seen anywhere and I could never lift those down so I can't like I said I blocked out some of it I can't remember if I fell <laughs> if I slipped if I just gave up and laid on the ground I think it might have been all of those because we had to do a significant amount during a four-hour show and uh, I just remember I've, I've never been able to lift that down so awesome is it I think so I think it's a great story. <laughs> But Will's most embarrassing moment is definitely more embarrassing. Uh, Hey, shout out to uh, Mike Golick Sr. on uh, a great career at ESPN Radio, though. Absolutely. He's taught me so much. Um, And uh, I'm excited to see him call college football games. Although we'll uh, we'll all be sad to lose him on ESPN Radio. Um, all right, guys, this is going to do it for, for this edition of the, the Happy Half Hour. This has been a lot of fun, a lot of laughs this week, a lot of embarrassing stories. Uh, I think it definitely constitutes uh, the name Happy Half Hour. So thank you, gentlemen, for, for hanging out with me. And uh, thanks to everyone who's listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>